Hey everybody, welcome to a long overdue Savage Gentleman podcast. I'm here in the nonprofit studio where lots of really important work gets done on a very frequent basis. And I'm here joined by my good friends, Michael Blevins and Aaron Blevins, a dynamic duo uh, who I've been very, very blessed to get to spend a lot of time with getting to know. And, you know, we don't really have an agenda. We're going to talk about stuff and see where it it goes. They have a lot of expertise in the fitness realm, but I don't want to box them into just that. So, Michael, welcome. Aaron, welcome. How you doing? Good, Hola. Man. Yeah. Good. Dynamic duos. I mean, that's a lot to live up to. It's like a Batman and Robin thing. Well, who's Batman and who's Robin? That's what I was wondering. I am Chris O'Donnell, the Robin. I could do that. I mean, that's a. <laughs> that's why we're so good. You're like so willing to take such a bad role. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell, do you know how many? Never mind. That that, that may have be one of the like worst Batman <laughs> of the franchise. Truthfully, who was who was the Batman in that? I think it was Val Kilmer. Was it or, or was or it Clooney. George Clooney? Nobody really knows. No but one knows. Chris O'Donnell was for sure Robin and Uma Thurman. <clears throat> Uma Thurman uh, is Poison, Poison Ivy. Ivy was pretty yeah, cool. she was yeah. and then was Mr. Freeze. Yeah, that was Arnold with the best one-liners. Ever. I don't know. Do you, who do you think? Who do you think wrote those? Do you think he came up with them on the spot, <laughs> or did someone actually put that in a script in, in the screenplay? They were just like, "That's really his talent is just coming up with one-liners. He could just like ad lib that. That's just right off the bat. Um, <laughs> I I don't want to be Batman. You don't? I don't think so. He's hmm. cool. Kind of. I mean, but also, I don't know. I mean, out of the two, for sure, I don't want to be Robin. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I would be a good Robin. He's able to be a little bit chubbier, which I'm okay with. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he flies around, but he's not necessarily in charge of all of the hard work. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a lot of pressure to be like, to be Robin, Robin? to be, no, to be Batman. Yeah. Robin is just kind of like, oh, I can just have fun. And yeah. you know, like, oh, my super... best friend's a billionaire. It's like, cool. <laughs> Do what like... I want. I've got really low expectations and, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, there's, it comes at a cost, right? There aren't very many. Uh, just look at the costume design between the two. Batman <laughs> has this like sleek ninja looking armor, like year 20, 30 operator look yeah, yeah yeah and then robin's basically looks like he's in a i don't know like in a carnival he's in a circus yeah, yeah. i mean he is a circus performer if you right um, I, re- I recall but yeah that's the way it was and and he reflects that which <laughs> he's know. a high wire guy right yeah. yeah 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 man all right well that has a lot to do i don't know <laughs> how we got off of now, the, um, now that let me that down yeah now that we figure that out and i guess maybe i should give people some warning this this may be a bit of a departure from our our typical fare mm. over here at, at savage gentlemen um because of reasons one because we haven't done one for a while and i could be quite rusty two we're in a different environment um and as you guys are, are well aware environment can influence mm. outcome quite a bit and maybe that's an interesting jumping off point because we have a lot of guys who I don't know that they're in a great environment themselves. Uh, but, and yeah, and, and I think when they look at what's going on, you know, they're trying to figure out well, what can I improve? How can I improve myself? And sometimes it's the environment that needs to change. So I guess maybe the mm-hmm. first question I have for you guys, and I'll start with Aaron, like what are some things that you do to 
to improve your environment, to be the most productive, whether that's fitness, whether that's work, whether it's relationship, what are the things that you typically like to work on? Um, I <laughs> may, it might seem like I'm on social media a lot, but I try to actually limit that. I try to get in a, like a post only because it relates to my business. Um, get a post in earlier in the day and then kind of be done with social media. So I don't get all of the opinions on the news and weird stuff that's going on in the world. Um, I, I try to save just a very small amount of time for like media. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know that you can get really wrapped up in what's going on in the world right now. And like, all I can really control is what's what I'm doing. Right. Sure. Um, so limiting that stuff also, um, I, when I first got started getting super, super busy with, with content writing and, um, a little bit more, uh, full with nutrition clients, um, I was kind of getting in workouts whenever mm-hmm. and it would, f- I would get really frustrated, like super antsy throughout the day. But then by the end of the day, I'm smashed because I've been working all day. And so I just wouldn't get a workout in, um, and so scheduling training earlier in the day has been really helpful. Like I just section off, like. 8.30 till 11. Okay. I, Cause I was going to ask like how regimented, you know, is it a, is it okay by the, at the minute this has to happen right here or do you give yourself a little bit of leeway? Cause I've done both and I've had mixed results. I'm just curious. Cause you know, you're, you're fairly fit. <laughs> I, I try not to be flexible with that time. Cause even if I'm not training that whole time, like that's the time for me to like make coffee, not have, not schedule calls. Like unless there's an emergency or something else is going on, I, I really don't schedule calls or start any of my actual work until about 1140. Okay. Yeah. And that's such a good way. Like no matter what happens during the day, at least I know that I got the one thing in that makes me feel a little bit better Mm -hmm. and organized in my brain. Um, so that I can go without go about my day and yeah. every once in a while I'll get like a walk in later in the day, which is just a bonus. But mm-hmm. if I get that one thing in, like I feel so much better. I'm not like stressed. I don't, you know, take out my anger on clients, which sometimes I do. I'll get <laughs> on the phone and be like, why didn't you track this? Ah, and my clients are like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she must not have worked out today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're eliminating some of that anxiety because you're Absolutely. yeah, kind of checking that off. Michael, you've, I don't, you've probably got some interesting ways in controlling your environment. I mean, I, Michael's getting there. He needs to schedule that in for him. I don't like scheduling shit. Yeah. I really I'm, don't I'm like it. I'm the same way. I'm like a very free form Batman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my crime fighting isn't off. on a time table. <laughs> well, I listen, crime never sleeps. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't adhere to a schedule. I mean, if sense. I don't have a schedule, I'll never sleep too, but. The no, there's a couple different aspects of controlling environment that, are, that I, maybe we talked about it a little bit before. Um, but you have your like your fitness environment, you have you know your productivity, your work environment. Mm-hmm. I think they each time you step into an environment, it needs to influence what you want to do or perform in that in that um area. So, uh, people probably noticed like with quarantine going on, some of the you know, we're kind of lucky because we are not in such a restricted place. Um, and we haven't been this entire time. We've been fairly lucky by just controlling it ourselves. Um, but for the most part, some people are forced to work from home, school from home, um, and, and, and train from home. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of people right now that are like, 
you know, they can't, they still can't visit the gym. I don't have, we have a ton of clients in the UK mm-hmm. and they're still, I mean, they might get an hour a day to like walk around the block. Yeah. And they can't go like 400 it, meters beyond yeah, their, yeah. or something crazy like it's that. It's insane. And there's like a $2,000 fine for like working what? out outside. Like it's a 2000 pound sterling. You're like, uh, so there's people in various different situations, which, you know, I don't have strong opinions on, um, those kind of things happening because they're not happening to me. So I don't know what to make of it. I do feel bad for people in those situations, but one the environment you're in is going to really dictate what you can get done. And if a lot of people think, man, if I just had a gym at home, it'd be so easy because then I don't have to drive to the gym. But essentially that, that removal, like entering into a dedicated space or an environment that is meant to influence whatever you're doing there amplifies the effect. Yeah. So if I train at home, it's home. So like I have a very like I rest at home. So I don't Mm. like to train at home. Sure. It actually is the opposite effect. I'll just quit training altogether. (laughs) I have to actively leave my house to get that stuff done. Um, Granted, in a hotel or, you know, temporary circumstances, I can do it. But you really want to set yourself for like set yourself up for long term uh, progress in whatever thing. And I find because we have an office building to come to that's my time to work. So my trick, this happens to be a gym too. (laughs) The hard part is distinguishing when I'm working and when I'm training. Sometimes they're the same thing. So it's like, it's a, it's a juggling uh, aspect. And that's the trap for me is I go, Oh, it's work. And I can always go, Oh, I need to do this email. And then it detracts from, you know, the next thing I need to do. So I, I tend to, you know, train people in the morning and then I try to train myself right after Mm -hmm. that. just something for an hour and I'll usually limit it to an hour so I can get into the work day. Right. And then I'll start working. And then if I have another chance to come out and train a little bit more than I will, um, or roll jujitsu mm-hmm. or something. But again, jujitsu is a good example of that because if I want to train that, I need to go to the place that they're doing jujitsu. Yeah. Um, even though we have a setup here, which we can do that and that's good. Um, there's just something, there's something just so more potent about going to a place where everybody's there to do this one task. You don't get sidetracked as easy. Yeah. Cause I've seen this happen with you where I've come in and you know, if you'll finish up the teaching session mm-hmm. and if you happen to jump on the computer and yeah. get going on something, it's like done, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever working out was going to happen, you know, immediately after. And, and I think we all fall into that trap and mm-hmm. I, I think that we neglect how important, environment is and having designated spaces um with with intention to do and and if you are stuck in the house okay well you can't do everything in your living room like your living room can't be your your workout space your your office space your hangout space you know where you relax like you need to find some other way and it can be just designating that off and in the most simplest maybe maybe it's the decoration the time too yeah i mean that's a good way to to change i think a really good way to kind Mm -hmm. of navigate that because a lot of people are stuck at home and they can't Mm -hmm. even go out because of what we just talked about um and and i know that i'm not going to get like my best workout i'm not gonna like pr anything in my living room i just i don't have it in me (laughs) world record (laughs) yeah i don't have it in me to like do that anymore i think at one point i did have it but um one thing that i've found is just setting a timer and saying okay every minute on the minute for 20 minutes i'm going to do this and then the timer kind of pushes me into nice a routine Mm -hmm. of something and then after the 20 minutes okay i'm done like i don't need to do anything else yeah 
Um, and, and that's kind of how I navigate home workouts. That's a, and that's a really good point that you bring up because I love the way that you implement this. People, people tend to look at you guys, look at this space, look at what you do. And it's like, this is the most hardcore, you know, crazy, ridiculous, you know, insane thing that any human has ever done. And yet while you guys have the capacity to do that, I mean, I, I watch Aaron do stuff that I wouldn't even want to. <clears throat> wouldn't want to touch myself in terms of like working out. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, nope, that's way too hard. But you <laughs> like this morning, <laughs> but you know, you have this approach where it's like, it doesn't all have to be that. And you, you have the same thing with the nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. You know, people, people look at their diet programs and, and whatever nutrition they're doing. And it has to be, if it's not the most extreme and the most painful, then it's worthless. And I like that you guys, um, are able to work around that and, and obviously clearly still get good results. So what's kind of your philosophy with that? Um, it, I guess you could look at nutrition very similar to training. Like you cannot train six or seven times a week, full blown all out for one hour. You can't, you just can't work new, uh, intensity like that. And I think nutrition is very similar. Uh, every once in a while I'll take on a client and they're like, okay, well, I think I'm finally in the headspace to like go super, super strict with nutrition. And like in most people's head, it's like, okay, um, chicken and broccoli. Like this is what I'm going to be eating (laughs) Mm -hmm. forever until I fall off and like binge on cookies and ice cream (laughs) and Nutella. Until I snap and climb a clock tower. And it's like, there's got to be something in the middle. There has to be something, you know, in the middle of so extremely uh, rigid and all out fast food all day mm-hmm. um, with both with training and nutrition. And so um, usually that's where food timing around training comes in. It's like, okay, if you really like X, Y, Z, let's stack it right after your workout the rest of the day. If you're mm. sitting at home on your computer, let's <clears throat> go protein and veggies, you know, so you kind of get the best of both worlds. And it tends to be a little bit easier um like on your mentality around nutrition as well. Well, it's, it it becomes a mental game. It's, it's a war of attrition. Right. And just like you were saying, it's like, okay, yeah, you can do anything super strict for a while. And then eventually you're going to fall off. And then the net result of that is probably going to be worse than if you hadn't done changed anything at all. Hmm. Um, Michael, you were about to say something I felt like. Um, Well, I mean, it's a good, point i think the thing that you're pointing to is is actually uh there's an intensity um, that requires a lot of energy and the more strict you are or the more hardcore you are about any given subject the more attention and intensity it takes and the more time for recovery so it's just an aspect unfortunately like a lot of people in the fitness industry and this business is built off of the perception that man training is so hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's watched one of those montages in a movie, or even if you watch like some of the ESPN stuff, the 30 for 30, that show people training hard all the time. And that's not really how it works at mm-hmm. all because you can't sustain that kind of energy output. There are periods of time when you really have to buckle down and suffer, but especially when you're first getting started, that's not the way that it goes. <laughs> Um, we have this idea too, that like, if, if you were going to try, take any subject that you like doing and it could be anything you could like cooking, it could be playing guitar. It could be, you know, uh, it could be playing hockey, whatever it is. And try to think about how you would get some, how would you talk somebody into enjoying the thing that you find so useful? Hmm. Right. 
would you run up and hit them with a hockey stick like repeatedly? <laughs> just like, knock their teeth out with yeah, a puck? Yeah, but this is what it's like. But if you see like a highlight reel from a hockey thing, that's kind of what it is. It's yeah. all these brawls. Uh-huh. And so you're not like, that's not really selling it. And same thing with guitar. It's just like, would you just make somebody play until their fingers bleed? And like, this is what real guitar playing is like. <laughs> and the, the cooking analogy is just like, well, just go work in a, you know, if you want to enjoy cooking, you really got to, you know, work for an iron chef and have them scream at you. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay just eviscerated me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all of these things, they don't lead to good results. So the first, the first way to become kind of consistent is to actually enjoy the process. And so a lot of people, they'll see the workouts that we do as hard, and some of them are. Um, but for the most part, when people are first starting out, it's about fostering, you know, paying attention to how they feel and making sure that they feel good actually mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah, there's some discomfort involved in every session. But for the most part, if I beat somebody down and they're so sore they can't train for a week, I've done them a disservice. Mm-hmm. Right. When in reality, we could get in five sessions that are really easy. And by the end of the week, they've accumulated, you know, three times the volume. Yeah. And and I think, you know, because we have a ton of guys who just throughout their lives, <clears throat> things ebb and flow and they may not be able to train or, or be as fit or whatever goals mm-hmm. they're looking for. Um, they may not be able to accomplish those. And so uh, a lot of times we'll find ourselves and I get this from, from guys in our league asking like, Hey man, I'm trying to get back into like whatever, whatever their goals are, you know, what, what can I do or what are some tips and what are some things? And, you know, everyone's knee jerk reaction is to do the most hardcore. What is the hardest possible thing? And, (laughs) you know, that's cool. And it's great for Instagram, you know, for the few days that you can sustain it, but you're going to have a hard time getting the results. And so I think it's important for people who like you guys who are, you know, extremely fit and extremely capable and who have, worked with some of, you know, the, the highest level athletes and and people in the industry, you know, I think it's really important to hear from you guys that, Hey, it's okay to start off slow. Every, everyone wants, you know, that, that extreme version. And it's like, that's, that's not how it actually works. Not only is it okay, it's the only way to start. Yeah. Anything else is just dangerous. And, and there's like inherently more risk. Generally the people that need hardcore training, uh, in, in a condensed time, um, have the, the procrastinated like mm. what they want to accomplish mm. and they've condensed the time in which they have to do it. So if it like, you know, I want to get fit for summer or whatever, <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's still a thing because yeah. you can't leave your house. Beach but body. Let's imagine. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, I want to, you know, wanna, I really want to blast the biceps <laughs> for, you know, Martha's vineyard this, this summer. <laughs> or whatever. I, <laughs> Um, it's a Catalina wine mixer, right? <laughs> exactly. Like I'm, I'm prepping. What are you training for? The Catalina wine mixer. Okay. Like when oh, is cool. that? Oh, it's in September. And you're like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to start now. Hardcore. Well, I can't sustain that. Right. By the time I hit June, you're, I'm like, um, I'm done. Yeah. Um, I don't or fi- I don't dad. I'm yeah, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to start in May. And you're like, that gives me three months. It's 12 weeks. That's generally what I hear athletes train hard for. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start in May. Um, and then you're like, ah, May, you know, Ugh. it was Cinco de Mayo and I really wanted nachos. So like that threw off my dieting schedule. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, and then it comes to July and you're like, I need to get fit in four <clears throat> weeks. Well, now you have to go intense because you don't have time. Right. And so if you remove the procrastination thing and you just do what you need to do, you can start slow and then you'll arrive on time mm. uh, and you'll be in better condition because of it. A lot of the jobs that we're actually known for, 
they're they're on a tight schedule so a lot of the training that we have to do is a little bit condensed and the intensity of the diet might be a little bit more than what we would mm-hmm. want it to be but that's also the nature of it it's still not miserable 90 percent of the training that we do even in a condensed schedule is actually talking walking moving around sweating a little bit but nothing like super hardcore yeah but that's not, and, and that's the hard part. That's not the sexy part that everyone no. wants to see. There's the it's social, not as marketable. Right, there's the social reward for being like, oh, I trained 27 hours today. Bro. Yeah. What is it? Sweat sweat more than Jocko? Right. I got to sweat more than Jocko. And, and some of these like features of these, you know, people have a platform. We're talking about dedication and they get like a weird Batman voice. And they're like, you just need to wake up at 430. <laughs> or if you're, if you're not bleeding in your heels when you're running, then you're not running correctly. And I, like... None of that shit works eventually. Like, and I can appreciate all the cool shit that David Goggins has done. And I, I like uh, Jocko is a phenomenal Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Oh, that dude would fold me up like a lawn yeah. chair for sure. And, 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 <laughs> but you got to imagine like the feature of his ability now is over decades of mm-hmm. practice. Like his, what he considers hardcore and getting after it is probably a different feature now than it was, you know, and maybe, maybe it was brutalized into him and he was one of the few people that could sustain sure. through, through that. I mean, but, even the military is changing their selection process because they find that actually the mentality to do what re- what is required on the day can't be sussed out by risking the test physically. Mm. So if you're like, hey, we need to select for a bunch of guys um, in, in a very elite physical capability that need to be able to, you know, run nonstop for 24 hours, no matter the health implication. You can't really run them through that in selection. Let's because, practice that and see yeah, how it works. Because you tend to break pe- the people who are willing to do that will break themselves to mm. prove that they can do that. So selection processes are starting to change to start looking for the psychological aspects that go along with being able to push your physiology. Interesting. And the other way around, I mean, this happens all the time. We have to be careful what we select for Mm. if i say hey nobody can come in this gym unless you have like a three times body weight deadlift well all i did was set people up to hurt themselves Mm -hmm. right because and this happened in the military when they started requiring a max deadlift the nature of injuries just shifted huh and there's no surprise you just guys that want to be part of something so badly that will hurt themselves to do it so you have to be very careful about what you're selecting for I, I I like what you touched on there because it's really easy because um, there's some impressive individuals in the world and you can follow them on online. You know, you can check them out on Instagram or Facebook or watch their YouTube channel, whatever. And we see that and we're like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what that person does. And it's really dangerous, it, you know, because, well, you're not that person. You have to recognize like, yes, there's a ton of hard work to get there, Mm -hmm. but their path may not be yours and you may be in a different thing. And so it's really valuable to have people for inspiration and Mm -hmm. to look up to, but we have to have, you know, a a realistic understanding and not just blindly follow whatever it is they did thinking that's going to work exactly for us. Mm -hmm. And, and Aaron, you, 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 um, you touched on something else that I thought was, really good this idea of actually no 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 I'm sorry Michael you brought it you're talking about nachos oh. right and like oh I ate nachos I ate nachos and right. now well you know there goes my whole training whatever mm-hmm. and so you know Aaron you're you're phenomenal with the psychology of diet and exercise and, and helping people work through that um 
and and so the common thing is, oh, I ate something bad. Well, there goes my diet. And because there goes my diet, there goes my workout. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, how many people kind of fall into that trap? So, you know, what are the, what's some advice that you would give? Because we've all been there like, well, I ate three cookies. I guess I can't work out later. That's interesting. The client that I was just on the phone with right before we came in here, he's like, well, I guess I'm starting over. He was transitioning jobs. So he like really couldn't get to the gym for a week. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, one week of not working out. I get it. Like if I didn't work out for a week, I'm probably pretty stressed out and past the point of excited to train. I'm probably like, Oh, it's going to feel awful. Like I don't want to start again, but you start fearing it. Yeah. You don't, you don't lose your fitness. You don't lose your strength in that amount of, of time. And honestly, like, uh, I, I compete in CrossFit and I like to train in CrossFit and it's funny. It's the only season that doesn't have an off season. Mm -hmm. And so people just think like, Oh, I'm going hard all the time for no reason. I'm not even competing. So it's interesting to see people's psychology after even like a rest day or two rest days to think like, I I guess I'm starting over. (laughs) So lost it all. Sorry. Yeah. As, as far as, as nutrition goes, I mean, some people have habits of like, Oh, I just can't get off the junk food. And I think, I think it's really good to come off of things like that and just have like a clean week Mm -hmm. or like a, you know, a clean couple days in a row where you get, you know what it feels like to not eat processed foods. Um, But honestly, if you have a day where you go out to dinner or go out with coworkers or whatever it is, and you have kind of like a a failure meal, (laughs) what most people call them, um, go train the next day, like go for a hike, go for a walk, go for a run do one hour of burpees in your living room. Like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Just go clean the next day. Like guys, every I, day you can start over. Again. <laughs> I, threw, I threw off my macros. That's it. I'm yeah, done. You don't have yeah. to punish yourself. I, I mean, the, the real trick is like when, when you don't recognize the signposts for needing a break or consistency, then hmm. these urges to do things tend to be stronger because like you're telling yourself, no, I shouldn't. And we all kind of have toddler brains, right? (laughs) If you say you can't have this, the first thing I want to do as a fucking known toddler is I want that toy that I can't play with. I Mm -hmm. want chocolate. I want beer. I want all of these things that you've told me are not in the diet. And the trick is recognizing that just because, you know, you, you had a cookie doesn't mean you have to trip and fall into a pool of hookers and cocaine. Like (laughs) you don't have to go down that road. Like you just, but people tend to, they tend to punish themselves. I had one. I might as well eat the whole box of Oreos. Yeah. It happens all the time. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying like train hard the next day because no. like you need to work off the calories. I'm thinking, I and I used to think this, like mm-hmm. I'm going to go for the longest run tomorrow to work this off. I think now I use it as, okay, like I had a glycogen refill and now mm-hmm. I'll be able to go and train hard tomorrow. Yeah, that's, well. I'm all fueled up on whiskey. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm full <laughs> of booze. I mean, um, I think that's a connection that we often fail to make too, is like food as fuel, mm-hmm. right? It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've come to a place where from a like survival standpoint, like no one's worried about, oh my gosh, I'm going to starve to death. Like you'll find, you know, calories somewhere. <laughs> like there's very few people in America today that are going to die of malnutrition. They are. I mean, here's the weird, there are 
for maybe the first time in history, people are obese and malnutritioned, though. I say mal, yeah. Right. And malnutrition, not like they have enough calories to survive, but their body doesn't have what it needs to stay very, very healthy and mm. repair tissues normally. So mm. although there's an excess of caloric value that's really easy to find, there's a, there's a minimal amount of actual nutrition in food. Um, and that becomes because we eat a lot of processed food. It's like whatever's convenient tends to be in a bag and it tends to be like cooked quickly in order to get to those substances. They tend to be pre-processed mm-hmm. just as a feature of technology. And I'm not saying that you can't eat that stuff, but when the majority of your diet makes that stuff up, you tend to have high caloric load and, and low you know, micro and uh, mineral nutrition. Yeah. What are, what are some, some telltale signs, you know, aside from the obvious of like, okay, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't look the way that I want to look, mm-hmm. but there's some things, cause I know Aaron, you've gotten really big into organ meats and all these other things mm-hmm. for supplementing all these micro um, nutrients. So what are the things where someone's like that they may be able to self-diagnose Um, One of the biggest ones that I've seen, and I'll use myself as an example, is cravings, like sugar cravings, carb Mm. cravings. And I was for a long time, I was stuck in this cycle of um, I'm craving sugar. So I'm going to eat very I'm going to eat food volume Mm -hmm. like I'm going to eat very low calorie things that feel big on my plate. Rice cakes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that that I can get to. you know, so that I can save some calories to have this treat. Hmm. And as soon as I kind of backed up and actually like started the process of carnivore diet and eating more protein and amino acid based. Now, just real quick for those who may not be uh, familiar with what is carnivore diet, just the elevator pitch. So carnivore diet is animal products. You're basically just consuming meat, um, a little bit of dairy, depending on, on how you work the diet. Um, eggs, basically just meat, no Mm -hmm. fruit, no vegetables, no fibrous foods. Um, it's definitely a, a very, I guess you could call it strict, um, elimination diet. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and this book was really hard for me to write, um, in the beginning because I was still doing CrossFit and training really hard. And what's the name for it? Let's plug it. Uh, it's the essential carnivore diet cookbook. Nice. And so for those you were unaware, Erin is the co-author of this lovely piece, and she also has another one that she's working on in the similar genre of the carnival world, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. So that's no name and, for it. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah. It's a work in progress, working title, right. but we'll make sure we, we, we tag that in there. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of guys that they're like, wait, I'm sorry. Did she just say I could eat nothing but meat? <laughs> the answer is yes. And the answer is yes. And yeah. you know, as it turns out, you can be pretty healthy and effective with that. Um, so you said if you're, if you're craving sugar, Mm -hmm. that that could be a really good alternative or way to fix that or, or improve that. Well, not necessarily even going like strict carnivore. Um, I, I found through the process of writing my book, I had to actually, um, I had to actually try the diet out, which was, (laughs) which was tough. Um, it was tough for me to go that low carb and still compete in my sport Mm -hmm. and train in my sport, but I kind of figured out how to do it. Um, but one thing that I kind of found, it was a byproduct of, of eating really high protein, uh, particularly red meat and organ meat was I, my sugar cravings started to go away. And I'm not saying like those things don't sound good. Like they still do, but I'm not like 
thinking about it and aggravated by it all day, like Mm -hmm. waiting for that treat at the end of the night. Yeah. And so I think there is something to be said about, um, like even smaller portions with a little bit higher fat, a little bit more nutritional density to it. Um, it really solved that problem for me. And like, I'm not searching for like breads. I mean, I haven't had, I haven't really had bread since last February. And you were so like, like a, a, year a bread fiend. If mm-hmm. I recall at, at some point in your life, yeah. like bread was life. Yeah. There's sure. something in <clears throat> so shout out to a restaurant in London called flower to the people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they have, um, yeah, I feel like you have to hold up your fist when yeah, you say that. You for sure do. <laughs> and, they, and they have a thing on Saturdays where they do one hour of toast. So what? you can eat as yes. much toast as you want and they'll just keep bringing it to you for one hour. And me and Aaron used to go train like crazy on Saturdays and then go there for just so you could. Uh, yeah. Oh killer. And so it's not like we're not like, first of all, that I think the carnivore thing is interesting because there's a lot of different varieties of it. Sure. Like it, there, there's always going to be this group where you're not hardcore enough. <laughs> like, right. well, and we, you're not we, carnivore unless you bite into the animal while it's running. Yes. Like that's the only red that, meat that, I'll that eat. is pretty <laughs> savage. And, like, <laughs> and you're like, there's that form of it. And there's probably something useful to that esoteric nature of dieting where you're like, I'm very strict. But if you consider like a carnivore diet, as in the majority of your calories are coming from animal products, mm-hmm. it's what I consider a carnivore diet. Yeah. If there's room for other things in there, granted, like being strict up front is one of the ways to see what you can add back mm-hmm. in. So uh, the premise for it is to essentially go like, what's the most nutrient dense food on the planet? And just eat that. And then everything else falls into line. <clears throat> and if you have any question about this, like, People, I mean, there's some people, maybe not on your podcast, but I imagine in my head, you know, depending on where we're broadcasting this, there's there's a version of people like screaming. Oh my right gosh, now they're the, having aneurysms. You need vegetables, and they're just like getting like hyperbolic about it, and that's fine. But you actually don't need them. Like as an essential part of nutrition, they're not as high as we've been sold on. Mm-hmm. Now breads and grains and what we like to call failure foods, which is a food that exists based on the fact of you, your inability to secure animal products. Um, these foods can help supplement nutrition and they also are probably the only way to feed 8 billion people. So there's a, there's, there's a, there's a logistic kind of counterpart to mm-hmm. this argument. It's like, can all people eat like this? Probably not. Right. This is a feature I I would hate to dare say it, but privilege. Yeah, I was going to say this is 21st century privilege, bro. This is an American privilege Mm -hmm. for sure, where we have access to high quality meat if you seek it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what we we don't eat. You know, um, we don't eat factory farmed meat as just it's not the most nutrient dense, like the fat uh, ratio isn't what we would prefer for mm-hmm. our own system. So we seek out, you know, naturally raised meats that are, you know, tend to be on a free range farm and the farmer tends to have other things that you can eat too. Um, so there's this aspect of, you know, thinking like, Oh, I need a balanced diet. And you're, this is kind of where it gets weird. You're like, what, what are you talking about? And like, historically did humans are like, Oh, I can't eat that because it's not balanced. And you're like, we're, we're kind of like food seekers. I mean, humans up until a hundred years ago, the, the, the most common occurrence of death was starvation. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that was for 200,000 years of human evolution. 
And for the last hundred years, now the more common thing to die from is obesity. So it's from consumption. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we've really flip-flopped because we are able through technology to generate so much calorie-dense food. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean nutritious food. Oh, interesting. Okay. So these things that you see in the RDA, the, the recommended dietary guidelines, these things were put out in the 1920s for the depressions in order for people to not die. Right? They, like this is bare minimum nutrition mm-hmm. for that the body can keep going because nutrition was so poor. So a lot of the foods that you see like eat bread, it's a good source of vitamin D. They add that into it. So whenever you see a grain that's fortified, they're adding vitamins and minerals into it because it's so fucking piss poor. Which means it's supernatural. Right. And like it's it's like <laughs> it's a really bioavailable yeah, choice. It's super bioavailable. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a couple things going on here. And like, not that I think everybody needs to carnivore because I don't. I don't. I don't care what how people eat. Sure. But when they're looking to improve their health, the biggest feature is like remove your, you know, pleasure seeking mouth brain out of the <laughs> equation. Right. Which everybody like oh, I want Nutella. Like if your brain decides for you, it's going to seek pleasure. Mm. But you remove that. And just imagine for a second, what would your body request from you if that mechanism of your mind didn't interrupt the body? Or right. So. Meat. Right. Like exactly. A hundred percent. Liver, heart, something like that. If a taste didn't have anything to do with it and it wasn't about cravings or, you know, uh, masturbatory mouth pleasure, Mm -hmm. it would, it would generally be the most nutrient dense food in actually the most dense source possible because the less I eat of something, the less digestion processes the less and, you have to and the chew. more Yeah, do. it's costly. And, and there's some other stuff that, you know, <clears> goes <throat> deeper than this because we can start talking about what foods kind of enact a parasympathetic state and what ones drive you towards a sympathetic state. Well, animal foods, saturated fat, and protein tend to drive you to a parasympathetic state. Which for the layperson means? A recovery, like okay. a, a state that you can recover from. Mm-hmm. So th- this becomes more and more important as we notice that we're in a very like stressful environment, daily driving, waking up to alarms, not getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. using caffeine to stay awake, that kind of thing. So I'm, so I'm wondering if that has any, any relation to like kind of the hunter-gatherer you know, millennia that, that that we existed as humans where it's like, man, I went through all this stress to procure this meal, right? I, I stalked this elk mm-hmm. and I shot it and I did all these things and now I'm reaping the reward and now my body is going into that parasympathetic state mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the, the crescendo and the denouement of that um, experience. And so now we're still getting some vestigial uh, response to that or do you think maybe it's something else? Um, it's, Anthropology is like notoriously <laughs> bad about knowing what actually cause I mean, and effect or or like even eating habits. Uh, here's the weird thing is like there's very little evidence of cooked food. And that's really like, yeah, there were fires, but mm-hmm. we don't know what they were doing with those fires. They could have just been eating it raw. And and, and that's like that's an argument It's mm-hmm. like humans ate a lot of raw meat. I won't go down that road because I'm not about to try it. But we do have friends that we do. We know some folks that are on that sashi- chicken sashimi life. It is. And, <gasps> and, and legitimately, you know, I don't know what benefits come from that, but it does point to the fact that, yeah, you're right. There's there's very little to know about anthropology. But um, the states are more or less. I mean, what we do know is like ma- not modern, but uh, hunter gatherer tribes that have been actually studied mm-hmm. and, and, and actually uh, researched. Um, it takes uh, about a, 
20 hour work week to survive as a hunter gatherer. Okay. Which is significantly less than what it takes a modern human to survive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, take that as you will, but 20 hours is 20 hours. Yeah. I don't know anybody who works 20 hours and is like, yeah, I can pay all my bills and I can (laughs) eat well and everything's fine. The rest of their time in, in generally those cultures is spent creativity, bonding with people, relationship building, like that it's the socialization uh, of um, humans that really gets us like pleasure and, and it, it really broadens our depth and like experience in life and kind of moves us yeah. forward as a, as a species, man, we've really fucked up. Totally. So if we're working <laughs> 60 hours a week, which I think is normal for me, mm-hmm. like I'm here pretty much every day for 12 hours a day there, like there's, there's very few days where I'm like, uh, a Sunday was a good example. I'm like, I'm going to stay home today. And then I, I just out. worked from home. Like th- this is like, there's so much to do. Um, granted, owning your own business is a little bit different. Some people have controlled schedules. And so they can be like, oh, I work 40 hours a week. That's still twice as much. In mm-hmm. which case, the amount of stress that you're incurring is twice as much. There's twice as much stress going mm-hmm. into it. So um, stress is fine, but how do you recover from stress? The weird thing is, people who live in in more natural environments tend to be less stressed than people that live in city or mm-hmm. you know um un, un quote unquote unnatural environments um th- that's mostly because if i'm camping even right the the sun goes down it's time to go to sleep like yeah. you can stay up and talk by the fire for quite a while but not very long no. like the amount of light that goes away starts to wash melatonin over your skin and then you get tired mm-hmm. so you your circadian rhythm starts to change now man i can blast my blue light from my apple and watch <laughs> videos up until whenever like they, we've really changed the nature at which we recover and if it, like that's what i'm talking i don't care what you do lifestyle wise but if you're unable to recover from your stressful jobs mm-hmm. you start looking at these systems that people put themselves in these environments like mm-hmm. they're opting into these environments you can opt out anytime <laughs> you want but essentially you wake up from an alarm uh which means you're not getting enough sleep mm-hmm. Um, you wake up, you eat carbohydrate in the morning because you've been told cereal is the most important meal <laughs> of the day. And so, like, you know, you you Captain Crunch it up or whatever. And then, you know, not that I don't love cereal, but that really drives a sympathetic state. Mm-hmm. And then you throw caffeine on top of it and then you sit in 90 minutes of traffic and you're talking the first like three hours of your day you're stressed out of your mind. You've just become used to it. You haven't actually like inoculated to the stress and made it unstressful. You're traveling at 80 miles an hour and cars are coming (laughs) at you. Your brain is doing something different than you singing along to Katy Perry. Like these are just totally different states. And then I get to work. I'm late for work. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I scramble as an asshole. Totally. Whatever the thing is, or maybe, you know, maybe it's changed since the pandemic, but this is, this has been going on for quite a while. Um, and then I'm like, oh, it's lunch break. I got to get my fitness in, you know, because I'm hardcore and I yeah. stay healthy and I really care about my health. So I go down to a CrossFit gym and I blow it out for an hour, which is also a sympathetic state. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I eat more sugar to recover from that because, you know, carbs, bro. And then I go back to work, finish up my workload, get back in traffic, get home. And then we really wonder why we're fucked up. Yeah. Like why I don't feel good. And well, why and then I feel add sick. a mask on top of that. Oh, geez. <laughs> and that's no joke. Like, I mean, not that not that I'm against wearing a mask as a protection for like, I, I yeah, don't really have sure. a strong opinion about it. But there is something to be said about being told to wear a mask when people are already unconscious of their breath 
work, Hmm. right? So if I'm breathing shallowly because I'm unconscious of my breathing patterns, I put something over my face and I start to get this this small rhythmic. That's Mm -hmm. a panic. You just don't realize. Yeah. And your body doesn't recognize the, it can't tell the difference. Like you can put yourself and we've worked on this a little bit where you can put yourself in different states, just, just from breathing. And it's useful to kind of play around and see what that does. But it, it, there is a, you know, definitive effect on your body. Yeah. There's loss of oxygen, but the, probably the, the more nuanced thing there is actually an accumulation of CO2 Mm -hmm. and you don't have good CO2 tolerance. So if people want to test this out, kind of what we're talking about, and if the world seems mad to you, people are kind (laughs) of, they're kind of temperamental right now, like, like on the internet or otherwise, imagine for a second, why road rage is a thing, right? Your state in a car, your brain is mapping something that's dangerous and it, it like the per, the perception in your brain is that you are in danger mm-hmm. just because of the speed at which you're traveling and the concept of what's happening, right? I'm traveling at 80 miles an hour with all these steel boxes and there's an inherent danger involved into it. Even if I've pushed that down to my subconscious and I, you know, I don't wear a seatbelt because fuck it or whatever the thing <laughs> is. Um, your brain is still kind of on high alert. That's a sympathetic state. So when somebody cuts you off, road rage is the amplification of your actual state, hmm. right? So you're hyper defensive. You're like, you know, it's not like they're trying to kill you. Like, oh, I'm a motherfucker. And you start freaking out. But in your brain, they are trying to kill you. Exactly. That person just tried to take my life. Because you're already on the edge. So now take this over to, you know, suffocated breathing. And if you want to try this drill, you can. They're called breathe ups. Basically, it's for to prep your body for the mammalian dive reflex. You do a bunch of slow, methodic breathing, and then you try to hold your breath as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Do it on dry lung or just try to hold your breath as long as possible. What you'll experience uh, if you don't do a breathe up, like in the first 60 seconds, if you're good, you'll start to feel panic. Right. That panic isn't a loss of oxygen. Your body has plenty of oxygen. In fact, it's got four minutes of oxygen. You don't have the mental capacity to actually deal with it because you let your panic state overwhelm you and it amplifies and becomes due to the CO2 buildup. Yes. So the panic is from actual CO2. So now you put a mask on, go through your daily life, breathing shallowly and building up CO2. And you're going to be a little bit more temperamental around Mm -hmm. people. You're going to freak out a little bit faster or the world is going to seem a little bit more on edge. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it for whatever reasons um, that we need to, like, get rid of this disease or manage it uh, and stop it from spreading. Um, I wouldn't know I'm not an epidemiologist. But I do know that panicky states don't lead to health. Right. I think it's just important to notice like, hey, whatever your stance is on on mask, no mask, whatever. It's like there is there is a result that, you know, there's an effect that is going to happen due to that. So, you know, understanding like, hey, man, all these people that are double, triple masking, you know, now you're really impeding oxygen flow. They're probably going to be a bit testy. And if I'm one of those people, I'm probably going to be temperamental as well. And Act accordingly. Well, it's science. You can't triple step a double step. Oh, it's shit. <laughs> uh, damn it. Um, you, I mean, it's uh, it's not like, okay, so I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm saying pay attention to your yeah, breathing. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like you're going to have to really overwrite the the habits that you have. And that's by taking intentional, long, deep breaths or a tumo breath. Or there's a bunch of practices mm-hmm. you can do. Sometimes exercise is really good because it's, enforced correlative breathing like one of the good things about aerobic training is it's methodical breathing Mm -hmm. right deep breathing to get oxygen in and supply 
all the stuff that you need to for working muscles and working systems. Um, so people get a big benefit from exercise, but you can get a similar benefit by just consciously being aware of your breath and taking deeper and deeper breaths. And, you know, it's funny because this is obviously, this is one of the simplest things we can do as humans. Mm -hmm. And yet it's, it's the often most overlooked is just breathing because we do it without thinking. Mm -hmm. And so we never put much intention into it, but yet it can have, you know, a really profound effect on our mental state, our physical state, our spiritual state, if we want to go that route, mm-hmm. um, it really is important. And I think you know, it's good that you brought that up because I know guys are constantly looking for, you know, advice and guidance and, and things that they can improve because no one wants to be miserable. I don't think. I mean, some, you, I've met a couple. <laughs> generally, we want to find ways yeah. to improve. Right. And so all these little things really start to add up. And Aaron, you were you were talking about using nutrition specifically to, to help, help with our mental state and, and just and brain function and that sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. there's, you know, without getting too much into, I know there's a lot of guys that are like biohacking and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. And I think, you know, there's a difference between just, just trying to find this magic. Can I I just learned this uh, before Aaron goes. Uh So the term biohack, has always bothered me and I've always thought of it as like you know computer engineers are hacking away they're basically like breaking a system in order to shortcut it that's what people think it is actually comes from hackney in England and it comes from the people who used to sell normal horses as race horses nice they were it's a scam right it's a scam bio scamming but that's that's kind of what it is the charlatans so I I just I just learned this I thought I would throw it out because I was like that's a funny little yeah You should call them carpetbaggers or something. Carpetbaggers. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, you know, as far as mental state, I mean, we've got a lot of guys who are military who who listen. We've got people that are into combative sports and a lot of guys who have, like myself, have dinged their brains a couple of times. And even if you haven't, I would still say that our general... Um, as you alluded to, Michael, the society that we live in is not the best for our mental state. And so there's a lot we can do with nutrition to help that. Um, yeah, I think some of the easy things that I kind of, uh, well, especially for my longer term nutrition clients that have like loftier goals. Um, I'll use one client that is, uh, in London right now. Um, and she, is obviously she's like, I just don't know why I'm stressed out. I'm like, well, you've been (laughs) in lockdown since last February. You're working from home. You're doing everything from home. You never have a minute alone and you can really only go 400 meters from your house. Um, one of the things that we have been playing around with is, um, pulling our carbohydrates really far down and Mm -hmm. putting her almost, I wouldn't say a keto profile, but bumping her fats up. Um, a lot of times higher fat can help with anxiety and uh put you in more of that sympathetic state mm-hmm. a little bit easier through through um, so are we talking just like spoonfuls of lard you know just slathering no, crisco what are we talking about because fat's not you know canola oils like people people yeah, are yeah. really bad you're taking for <laughs> granted like like oh man look at the fat content of these potato chips right right perfect so uh, for sure pull out as many processed foods as you possibly can because there have been tons of studies linking depression to um, processed foods, Mm. which is super interesting. Um, But higher fats in like swapping foods out, like take your... um, your eggs that you make in the morning and make them with a little bit more butter, throw some bacon in there. Um, 
you know, a little bit fattier cuts of meat rather than chicken breast go with chicken thighs or lean steak go with fattier steak. And by adding a little bit higher fat profile to your day, you also in turn have to pull your carbohydrates down. Like you don't want high fat, yeah. high carbohydrates at the same time. It's brutal for your liver. I was going to say, cause I'm sure there's some guys right now. They're like, my doctor, you're going to, you know, my wife's going to kill me if I start buying yeah. ribeyes, you know what I mean? So, you know, there, there's some, there's some common misconceptions I think when it comes mm-hmm. to fat. And I think, you know, obviously it needs to be relative to your carbs. So you can't have, have your cake and eat it too. Right. Right. Well, you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can food time it really well. Like if you just do a hard workout, you can get away with having a little bit of carbohydrate post training. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the day, go a uh, higher fat, lower carbs. So switch your carbs over to like veggies or fruit <clears throat> or, you know, have a yogurt rather than like bread and rice and potatoes. Mm-hmm. So just making those switches is super helpful. Um, And again, like the nutritionally dense foods like organ meat. Mm -hmm. I don't love organ meat. There's some organ meat recipes in my cookbook. And like unless I grind it up, I'm for sure not going to eat it raw. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll try anything once. Um, Every once in a while, we'll make meatballs and we'll grind up heart and liver. Um, Someone actually gave me a heart that's sitting in the fridge we need to cook it nice heart heart is not bad it almost has the texture of slovakia meat i would say if you can get your hands on some heart it's the highest i believe it's the highest uh amount of coq10 you can get nice and And for for the layperson what does that do for you coq10 is like an immediate mood boost like if you have depression um or if you're not sleeping well or you're anxious all the time like coq10 is just such a quick fix for that um and it's really good like it's good to put in your diet during winter i i I take ancestral supplements i was gonna say because i know so you're not eating the raw ones yourself how are you actually supplementing with that yeah uh, ancestral supplements is awesome because they have like the individual organs separated out Mm -hmm. and you can you know basically take a pill not saying that that's a better way than just eating organ meats but most people aren't don't have exposure to organ meats every day, a couple ounces every day. And so it's, it's an easy way to kind of play around and see what works for you. Um, I take heart every day and that's one that makes me feel pretty damn good. Like noticeably different. I just envision myself like in Indiana Jones. Cover your heart, Indy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, just, just ripping hearts out of things. Um, and, and being like Aaron Blevins said it was good Ooh. for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that well, goes along is. with I wake up at 4 30 in the morning. Yeah. And if I you're not a heart out of a cow right before I run 29 miles. <laughs> I would probably feel you pretty well. Man, you'd be a pretty badass dude. Yeah. You'd be a savage. I don't know if that would do much for the gentleman's side. <laughs> uh, you may may need some work. You may need some work on that. And that, that I do it wearing a three-piece suit. Oh, well then. <laughs> I'll just hand you the keys of the company. So you're, 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 you're in charge. You are in charge now. I'm going to step down. I can't, I'll never match that. There, it is funny that we get into this like almost one upmanship of fitness, nutrition and that sort of thing. And I don't think that it's, it's useful. It may, it may like, there may be some like gratification, you know, like, but you would mention like kind of this masturbatory thing where you're just like kind of stroking yourself off at like how, how, I don't know how much more hardcore you are. I don't, I don't know what it, what it is. And 
I need I'm a to bigger be the, fan of the band than you. It's yeah. Like what it becomes, you know, in any kind of it belief becomes, system. Yeah. Diet. I mean, yeah. diet programs. Again, you talked yeah. about with it, with carnivore. It's like, okay, there's carnivore and then there's carnivore and then yeah. there's super carnivore. Well, there, there's carnivore, there's raw carnivore. They're like, you know, they only eat raw meat. And if you eat anything other than raw meat, then you're a plebe. Yeah. I only eat embryos. They're not oh, even, they right. haven't even been developed. And then there's like, you know, there's all the other branches where some people are like, oh, I like like carnivore, only red meat, only this kind of thing. And it, they'll do very little eggs and mm. like oh, no carbohydrates whatsoever. It, with the thought that it's limiting carbohydrate is the benefit of it. And then there's other carnivores that are like, add as much honey as you want in because honey is basically like bee vomit. So it's yeah. an animal product, oh, technically. Te- okay. Right. And so the, they're not seeing it as a feature of carbohydrate. And I kind of go between kind of all of them and just go eat the most nutrient dense food possible, which happens to be a lot of like red meat and mm-hmm. organ meat. And then supplement in what you feel intuitively makes you feel better. Which is a big part, and I think a lot of us have lost touch with that. Uh, And and, and what I like with you guys, you know, yeah, you can, you you tend to shy away from the prescription model of like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to prescribe you this. Like, here's some ideas, here's some things to work with. Try it out, see how you feel. Because at the end of the day, like that, that is going to be the most accurate assessment if, if we are sensitive enough to like listen to our intuition, which, Again, as you mentioned, with all the stress and everything, we we kind of lose that sensitivity of what our body is telling us. Listening to that, we talked a little bit, and this may be getting out in the weeds, the the mind body connection, and we tend to look at them as separate, but they're part yeah, of the, the same. I mean, they they ha- it's one piece. Everything is kind of connected. Uh, And you can go further than that and say that you're connected to the nature, your environment that you live in. Mm -hmm. That's like another feature of your nervous system. So when we say mind body, usually people are like, well, is it the brain? Where's consciousness? Is the mind like what? What? And this duality is like, you know, an age old argument philosophically about what we are. But that. The argument, although is interesting, it's kind of doesn't help. It doesn't really <laughs> do anything. Useful. You're just like, oh, yeah, I believe in duality. How does that change? I, mm-hmm. I still wake up and I still say I am. So I'm still using both features of it, but it doesn't really help us in navigating like how to feel better or live better. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does is understanding kind of how how the the mind is basically just your perception of sensations. Mm-hmm. Right. So anything that a nerve touches is um, your way to interact with your environment. Um, so that feedback leads to your perception. So you have your sensations. Um, those are just the, the site at which the nerve is activated. Then you have how that's interpreted in your, in your mind. And then you have your thoughts that go behind that and your emotions that go behind that thoughts are mostly random. And this is really hard for most people to rationalize. Your thoughts are just generating. Um, sometimes it's, you know, it's amplified because we don't really take care of our brains. Um, but it's one of the systems where I can interject and actually place thoughts to sort of direct the mind. And that'll, all of these things kind of influence, um, emotions as well, though there's chemical, like respectively, they're just chemical reactions mm-hmm. and that leads to behaviors and actions. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, feeling like if I feel something like I can't convince myself that something that's hot is cold or, or whatever versus a thought, I can actually shift that. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, you can start to influence. So mm-hmm. although if you start to realize a lot of people think they treat this differently, we've been conditioned to think that intellectualism is the only way to experience life. Oh, mm. you're just being stupid or you're just being dumb or you're not smart enough or you're not this. They're really just making a comment on on intellectualism and, and perceiving that your intellect or your intelligence is what dictates a good or bad life. And that's mm. really not it at all. Um, to put it in perspective, like most people think that they can, you know, make their life better by thinking more clearly or doing certain things in their mind, their intellectual state better. Um, that really has nothing to do with experiencing life better though. Um, as in perception is probably far more, well, how you perceive the thing is going to color that is that is that kind of where you're going or no like because our perception like our thinking brain the this this narrative that goes around that convinces you that it's so smart like that that <laughs> is that's one of its really good illusions is that it's it's giving you the idea that your mind is in control and really most of the body is run on its own intelligence hmm. <clears throat> it is you it's a part of you but if you had to intellectually handle your heart rate, your blood proliferation, all the cell mitosis, like all of that stuff, you'd be dead in five minutes Couldn't because you it. would lose track. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this machinery that's going on has its own intelligence. And we really detune that culturally because we're like, think about it, like logically work through things. And logic isn't part of it. Like there's no logic behind melancholy, but you feel it mm-hmm. and it's real. So, oh, you shouldn't be sad because look how great your life is. Yeah, look at or, your house, bro. Look at you. Yeah. Got- hey, you can't feel like that. You're privileged. Like we're we're assigning <laughs> these things that are illogical. Mm-hmm. And it's because we are illogical animals, mm-hmm. right? And and we don't the chemicals getting released is sometimes illogical. It just happens and then we're in a state and we're unaware of what that state is. So, one of the <clears throat> higher line deep threaded um, things that we touch on is state changes, like how to control your state. Aaron's really good at being like change your state through food, change your state through exercise. And then there's this, you know, change your state through your lifestyle, your environment, the people you're around. Getting enough sleep. A hundred, all of these things influence this. And this is like, it's all connected to the same thing about well, what is what does it mean to live a little bit better, to experience a better life? It usually means that you feel better. Hmm. There's nobody who's like, man, I gained 100 IQ points and I'm just doing so much better now. <laughs> but there are people that like, you know what? I feel fantastic about my circumstances now. I love like my wife. I love my family. I love the environment I'm in. I love my friends. I love the things that I'm doing. I feel healthy. I feel you know, all of these things. Uh, I feel great. And I have actually probably less intelligence because of it. Right. Like, I've, it sounds like I've recently started drugging my husband. You're like, what, what, have you, what have you done? Did you give him a lobotomy? Is that what happened? You removed his IQ points. And I was like, everything's one great, of, guys. One of the first things I started recognizing um, when I did this elimination diet of like going through the process of eating less um, like inflammatory foods mm-hmm. and less processed foods is my workouts did not feel good Hmm. um, because I was used to such a high carbohydrate diet, but my brain felt really, really good. Like I was in a good mood. I was less stressed. I was sleeping like a freaking rock. Um, And obviously like I'm not strict carnivore right now. I eat fruit and dairy. 
which um, is for performance honey. now because yeah. there's there's a give and take and now you have uh-huh. something that you're actually working towards so you've got to adjust what in percentage to of your calories come from meat or animal products uh probably 80 percent yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty carnivore. Oh, that, that comes from animal, <coughs> animal products. products. Yeah, probably, yeah. dairy too. Probably ninety five percent. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. So you like a, a little bit of fruit here and there every once in a while, some like cucumber, vegetable, mm, something yeah. like that on the side. Yeah, but very sparingly. <laughs> right. But here's the weird thing. So polar bears are considered um, extreme carnivores. Right. They only get eighty percent of their calories through meat. What are they eating? Berries, weird stuff, shrubs. <laughs> Yeah, digging up weird roots and yeah. stuff. That, that's polar bears. So wow. for for us to it, conclude that you. you have to like you have hundred percent, yeah. yeah. it's just again, it's an illogical conclusion based off the deduction that you can't call yourself this thing, yeah, unless you're acting like. Uh, well, this. it's binary. It's right. all or nothing. There's not one we, person that'd be like a polar bear's not carnivore, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like you got to step up your game. Car- uh, it's still it's still a steak, and as a, a, a raw carnivore, I don't like. I just I shut him down. Yeah, I no, canceled that polar bear. <laughs> I can't wait until Josh gets here so we can. Oh, it's gonna be so much. Fun. I need to have him on the podcast. Sure. Too. Yes, you do. That'd be fascinating. I don't. Oh, he might break the internet. Well, <laughs> I don't know. What, I could. It, he's really interested. I'm. I'm super intrigued by people trying things. Yeah, and right? that's. You know, again, that's a really good point where people are like, well, if I don't know exactly how this is going to affect me and what it's going to do, like, I can't, you know, and we get stuck and it's like, you know, you guys got to the point that you're at now and arguably some of the most knowledgeable humans in the industry, in, in my opinion, by trying things and, and, yeah. and, 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 and honestly assessing. And that's the other thing too, is we're really bad at deceiving ourselves and, and making bad, um, attributions or, or false equivalencies but if we can be honest and we can just try things and see what it's doing man we can learn a lot and then if we have people that have already been there and done that they can guide us and they you know write awesome cookbooks to give us some cool recipes so that we're not just eating you know bland tasteless nonsense i mean i did this when like when i first started experimenting with diet when i was like 16 mm-hmm. i was like I was just exposed to it. So I was going to try these new diets and I tried low carb Atkins stuff. And then in my twenties, I got into like macrobiotic and being, you know, hot, like, Oh, I need tons of vegetables. And this is the way that it should go. So how did your stomach feel? Raw oats and raw cabbage. It was whoa miserable. Oh my gosh. Like super miserable. I was soaking everything and doing, you know, like due diligence. I was I was preparing food for a lot of the portion of my day, mm. thinking like this is the most new. And I would, you know, oh, I could have like two egg whites and I could have, you know, but no egg yolks because it's cholesterol. That's crazy. Yeah. And so my meat consumption was down. I I mean, I lost a lot of weight as a correlation because my stomach hurt all the time and so i was like it, how did you but how did you look i looked phenomenal did in a you suit. oh yeah one i was like in a suit no i don't yeah. care about in a suit how did you look naked it was like 107 oh skinny yeah Super i was gonna skinny. say it's probably not i was like 170 pounds at six foot two. Oh my god that's not it, yeah. it was i was very very thin and that's the thinnest i've been in my adult life um, so if you're looking to get thin, try it. It's not, you feel miserable. Yeah. Um, but I was just convinced like, oh, it's just me. I, and again, this is the same thing. It's like, just get out there and push past the pain, bro. Just run 20 miles 
having never done it before. Sure. And like if you can't do it, you're a bitch. That's kind of like <laughs> how I felt on this diet. And it took me a long time. It wasn't until like I started eating animal products and being like, mm-hmm. well, I'm just not going to eat that raw broccoli because I feel better with really cooked broccoli. Yeah. And then it took me even longer up until I eat last year to be like, I was still eating vegetables, you know, as a, like, man, you need fiber, you need green Gotta stuff. have it, bro. Yeah. Until I took it out and I was like, I actually feel a lot better. Like, like digestion feels better too. Like yeah. I, that's one thing that people ask is like, well, pulling vegetables out, like how's digestion better than ever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think people fail to realize, and you can probably elaborate on this a bit more, but most things don't want to be eaten sure. mm-hmm. and, and they have mechanisms with which to deter you from consuming them. And, and if anyone, if you don't believe me, go to your backyard, pull up some green stuff, cram it in it. your face yeah. and see how you feel. It's a bad day. It's a really bad day. Uh, so animals, obviously their defense mechanism is generally they're really fast and they can get away or they have hooves and they can kick you mm-hmm. or they have teeth and claws. And that's really their defense mechanism. Plants have, you know, some chemicals, right? Cellulose coating, some anti-nutrients, some things that are inherently toxic to us and toxic in the sense that they will hurt us, Mm -hmm. especially in like an accumulation of them. And that's their defense mechanism. Now, some things help. If you cook down vegetables, you can get rid of most of it. And you also get some nutrition out of that. But for the most part, I think my biggest problem is like, and this kind of comes back to the like, you're not carnivore unless you're 100% thing. Well, if you're plant-based, right? You used to be vegetarian. <laughs> right. There's, there's not a lot of people getting the their calories from vegetables. And this mm-hmm. is my art. It mostly comes from grain. Yeah. Which or, is not you the know, same almond thing. milk and right. all this other. Or, or industrial seed oils mm-hmm. or like heavily processed food. There's very few people that I know of that are even like raw vegan that get their calories from vegetables. Like, do you know how much <laughs> lettuce you'd have, lettuce to you'd have to eat? I mean, it's a lot of fruit if you want to do it that way. And so there's fruititarians mm-hmm. um, that get most of their, their calories through fruit. But that's a different story about blood sugar problems. <laughs> the, this this idea that, you know, vegetables are good for you, it, it's kind of, it's not untrue, um, but it's also not a certifiable truth. Yeah. Right. Because each person is like, hey, do you know what's really good for you? Kale. And you're like, go fuck yourself. I feel terrible on kale. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's some subjectivity, I think. And and anyone, I, I'm always reluctant, anyone that has the answer, like, guys, I figured it out. Here it is. Run away from that person. Run away from that person, you know. And, and again, this is where, you know, I, I, I really like and respect what you guys are doing because you're, you're very honest. You're like, hey, here's what I've tried. Here's what I think works best. But, you know, individual results may vary. Here are some options. And you guys have so many tools at your disposal that that in the event that, you know, this thing with 75 percent efficiency on everyone else doesn't work. Well, guess what? You've got the other 25 covered um, because you've been doing it for so long and, you know, writing about it, teaching Mm -hmm. it, instructing it. Um, So. With with that, I imagine there's a ton of questions that a lot of these folks are having, and I don't want to necessarily bombard you with emails. Um, yeah, but there's some places where people can get, <laughs> yeah, especially on, you know, on the nutrition side. Aaron, you are the um, you are the authority. How how can they find you and get more information? Um, I answer a ton of nutrition questions on my Instagram page. Are a lot of your followers on Instagram? 
Uh, a decent amount. Um, Instagram is where I like I check Instagram the most. I'm prepared to answer questions there. So I am on Instagram at shut up underscore eat. Um, and then I also have a Facebook page, Aaron Blevins. I don't check that one as frequently. Um, but if I don't know uh, the answer to a question, I'll either look it up and do a little research or send you to someone who who knows. Um, yeah, we got a lot of guys that are big into, you know, meats, smoking meats, grilling, cooking. I mean, we've got a lot of meat eaters already. Um, if they're interested in in checking out your newest book and the one that's coming up, where what's the best place they can find that? Um, Amazon, wherever okay. books are sold online right now. I know Barnes and Noble, Target, um, uh, Amazon tends to be the easiest one for delivery right now, but. Uh, yeah, the Essential Carnivore Diet Cookbook. Um, you can Google it and just purchase whatever seems easiest for you. And if I'm not a total dirtbag, I'll probably put a link somewhere, but I make yeah. no promises. I, yes. Shut up, <laughs> shutupwork.com will link you. That's okay. my website. So that'll link people straight to being I, able to buy the book. And I've also got um, a really cool kind of middle ground nutrition plan. I usually, I've never been big on like 21 day diet plans, but I actually wrote a 21 day. Oh, really? Mostly so that people could see how to food time mm. if they're training around carnivore diet. So that's in my bio on Instagram or you can get that on my website. And it's actually, it's a really easy, unique way to kind of start, start uh, an elimination diet. Yeah. Maybe a, a good jumping off point. I think yeah. This this premise of elimination diet is something that a lot of a lot of our guys, if you're looking for a place to start um, and not just diet in terms of food, but like, man, there's a lot of things we could probably eliminate from our lives. Not to say that you have to get rid of it indefinitely, but this idea, this process of um, trial and error and like, okay, let me eliminate some stuff see what kind of effect that has, mm. you know? And, and so you guys have some really good, uh, direction with that. Michael, you, you have released some pretty, um, pretty exciting things as oh. well. Um, it depends on who it's exciting for. I'm excited. About <laughs> it. So yeah, we, um, <clears throat> my company that I own is called nonprofit with a P H and a O N P R O P H E T. Um, media. <laughs> and uh, we release some written goods, published goods on strength training, uh, endurance training, uh, general physical preparedness, some more esoteric stuff in the art space, photography, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, you can find uh, all that stuff on our website and um, also the space program. I was going to say, you got to plug the space program. We've got some guys, uh, th- and this probably mm-hmm. isn't for everyone. I'll just put that disclaimer because the last thing I want are like, you fucking asshole, you got me to sign up for this. And I like, I just wanted to get, you know, start working out again. It's, it's for sure not for everybody. It's a pretty, um, it's a, well, I'll just tag it as it's the only uh, training program that is built off of trying to foster creativity in a training space. Hmm. So we're just thinking of different ways to train with different things and make them interesting uh, because that tends to be the linchpin for most people. Yeah. And so this would be for the person and I'm paraphrasing here and correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially this is someone who has been training for a while. This isn't just your, your brand new beginner or someone who's recently getting back into it. This is someone that has some experience, some understanding of, of their ability and then needs to maybe supplement what they're doing to stay interested, to push themselves, to find ways to, um, I don't want to say level up, but well, yeah, I mean, I'll disagree with a little bit of that because 
I don't think you need like it's not an advancement thing because the 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 technical aspects of the training program are fairly simple. Okay, you have to be familiar with exercises, but honestly, the only thing that might limit somebody in using our program is not being curious and being able to figure things out themselves. So if something's listed and you don't know what that thing is, email you directly for for sure sure. (laughs) and get like a really gnarly reply. (laughs) The only thing is like, we're not holding your hand to tell Mm. you how to do certain things. So if something's unclear, for sure come back and, you know, ask somebody, but... But don't ask, hey, so how do I do a kettlebell swing? Right. Like there's videos for that. So if (laughs) I I have to send me if I have to send you a let me Google that for you, understand that you could have Googled it yourself. <laughs> and most of it, all of the stuff that we put on there, somebody can figure out. I taught myself how to do all of this stuff. So you can teach yourself. So I wouldn't say it's an advanced or unadvanced or beginner program. Okay. It's a program that works for people who work. And would you say, would you would you call it a program? Because I think that that lead that gives the connotation of like progression like okay i start with day one and then you know by day 30 i'm here which i don't know that any human could actually go and do your workouts consecutively for 30 days maybe maybe there's some um freak out there um no probably not you should sprinkle them in and and we really just advise people to adjust it as they see fit so some people do three of them a week some people try six of them but it doesn't you know that's up to them to do and you, you don't have to go balls out for everything so it is up to the user um but for the most part uh, it's the zen of programs Mm. right it just is and there's really no progression (laughs) it just exists and you can use what's useful you can progress what you what you want or um you can just partake for fun kind of however so that's the space program that you can find on the nonprofit site um, we have a new members area that just opened this week and then we have a forum and a discussion board that go along with it and is it a little early or premature to mention the symposium that's coming up Ooh, Ooh. maybe, uh, maybe? Yeah. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. well we'll I just we'll, need to finalize the dates but yeah we'll <laughs> announce a live event that we'll be doing as well very cool very cool In so April? Yeah, it's in April ish sometime in April there'll be some things so if this was if this podcast you're like holy shit why aren't you doing more of these Josh like you need to talk to these people because you know like I said this was a bit of a departure but I I enjoy it they actually have their own podcast and if this is the type of discussions you're into then I would highly recommend going to their website checking that out and following these guys everything that they do is is really um, very thought-provoking very informative um, I I find it particularly useful so that when people come to me and they're like Josh you know stuff about fitness tell me this I'm like yeah I'm not qualified these are the people you need to talk to um so so thank you so much Michael Aaron um, for you guys here listening I hope you enjoyed it and we'll do some more of these in the future at some point Cheers. Thanks, Josh. Awesome. Thanks, Josh.